Well, I was, uh, I made a new friend uh, over the past couple of weeks, uh, and he's very different from me, but he's, uh, uh, we share a lot of things in common as well. He's a, he's an Anglican priest, and I met him at the Red Eye, and uh, and we were just talking, and, and we've uh, touched base uh, several times, I actually uh, really really enjoy him as 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 a person but it's uh bizarre almost uh just seeing me sitting at a table with him and with his little collar thing and me me and uh and just it just reminds me how big our our god is and uh that we both serve uh, the same god and fortunately you know he allows me to dress this way, and and uh, and uh, Andrew is his, his name. He he's a priest, Anglican priest, I guess, uh, at at uh, uh, Saint Saint uh, Peter's, uh, just right by the Red Eye. So I've been really enjoying talking with him, and and he was he's going to be preaching this morning. I don't think they call it preaching, but uh, but whatever. He uses a lot of terms. I have no idea what he's talking about. And uh, uh, and uh, he's he we were getting a drink at the Red Eye, and we we're we were in line. And so he's like, so so how long do you you know teach or preach or whatever I do or talk and everything? And I pause for a second, like without hesitation, the person from behind the counter says. At least 35 to 40 minutes. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't realize I talked that long, but they obviously uh, realize how long. And that's not a good thing for someone who speaks, like somebody to be that aware of how long they actually have to have to listen to you. And he goes, oh. And uh, he says, we, we, uh, we typically uh, speak for about 12 minutes. I said, 12 minutes? I go, wow. You know, that's... He's oh, we have a lot of um, you know other things that we're we're doing and and things like that and I'm like so what are you what are you teaching on this this Sunday? He says the Exodus. I said the Exodus in 12 minutes. <laughs> I go how are you going to do that? He goes I don't know. And I just it's been in my mind all morning. I was like looking at my scripture. And thinking, how am I going to do this in 35 to 40 minutes? And now you know what and. And and he's doing the whole Exodus in twelve minutes. I got to tell you, I almost ditched today to go over there and see how 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 he's doing it, because it's just just amazing. But I've just it's been really funny. If you haven't been by there yet, it's just uh, it's just really great. Just talking with people and the connections there that are being made with people who are homeless to Anglican priests. The diversity, uh, I believe, looks a lot like heaven. So it's really cool to see that. Uh, so we are in the fourth week of a series that we're calling Revolution and uh, trying to change the paradigm of, of our uh, faith community and hopefully change the, uh, just the movement of the, the universal church, the big C church, and how we look at things and what God has called us to do. And has called us to, uh, you know, really love the least of these. And uh, we've been looking at Scripture and looking about how, how we can take our faith and move it outside of these walls and to really make a, a tangible, significant difference in the, in the life 
of, of people who, who we may never meet um, and just to give them an opportunity to know that, that you know what, there's a God out there who, who loves them and, and we as his followers are, are conduits of, of his love and, and grace. And I've, and I've had so many great conversations with people and, and it's really interesting, especially you know a church our size, uh, you know, people are all over, we're all over the map spiritually. You know, some of us uh, have not entered into uh, a relationship with, with Christ yet and, and, uh, and haven't chose to follow him. Some of us have been around Christianity for many, many years and, and maybe we have kind of subscribed to the religion of Christianity and maybe lost our first love, Jesus. Some of us are on fire and, and just, you know, are ready to serve and ready to give and ready to love and, and or maybe have already been doing that and it's just been incorporated into part of their life. And one of the challenges when we corporately come to worship together is, is to communicate and to come together and say, okay, you know, this is where we want to be. This is where we believe that God has called us to be. And here we are collectively as, as a church. And how do we encourage one another to take one more step toward this, this ultimate goal of being fully devoted followers of Christ? And today, uh, I'm going to talk about something, and, and, and uh, I'm going to talk about being rich in giving. And this Giving takes lots of different uh, aspects of, of our, our life. Sometimes uh, that's financial, uh, that's, that's giving of our, ourselves, of our time, and things like that. And this is, this is actually a subject that I'm really passionate about. Uh, and it's always this tension uh, with, with, a, with a pastor and... and uh, Helping people, you know, in in, our, in in their communities to grab hold of this because people like, oh, you know, a giving message or or something like that. And I and I realize that and I understand that a lot of times you feel, oh, okay, you know, this is you know just okay. We're you know getting hammered on you know giving again and everything. And I just want to say right now that our community is extremely generous. I mean, this uh, uh, we. We're not in crisis right now. In fact, uh, we're we're a little bit ahead of budget. You know, this isn't motivated by you know you need to give more or or something like that. You know, things here are going really well, and I'm really excited about it. But I, and actually, I think it may be a perfect time to really talk about you know when we all grab hold of this vision, which which it seems like we have. You know what what. What a great testimony, and, and the more things that, that our community is able to do and, and, and take a step out and, and change. There's an illustration by uh, 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 a really respected Christian uh, speaker uh, many years ago, and he asked the crowd for if somebody had $100, and somebody said, I have $100, and he, he, uh, he took that $100 and he held up that $100 and said, how much ministry can be done with this $100? And some, you know, people started giving examples of specific things that could be done with that $100. And, and some people say, well, God can multiply it and, and, you know, the fishes and the loaves and all this kind of thing. And after everybody had weighed in, 
he basically simply answered about $100 worth. About $100 worth is what $100 will go toward. I mean, there's just, there's just realities of, of, you know, certain dollars do certain things. Uh, I've been on a journey learning more and more about child trafficking in, in Benin and just trying to get a handle on that and just the scope of the issue and, and the nuances of it and, and, and just what the best route for, for us as a community, um, how, how can we really go in and, and help and change and things. And one statistic that, that came uh, to mind, that, or not to mind, but I, that I read, it really has been haunting me all week, is that children are sold into slavery and um, I'll just allow your, your minds to uh, go to where, where logically it would go for someone who would buy a child. Uh, a child in Benin, the average cost um, or purchase is about $50 U.S., $50 U.S. And, uh, and it's just the, the price of a life. And, it, and it's interesting if you look at the, the, the contrast between what the world values as a life and what value is $50 versus the value that God puts on a life, priceless. In fact, so valuable that, that he, would, he would change everything that he, he, the whole fabric of time and space and, and reality to, to come to purchase our life, to give us freedom. And it really comes all down to generosity and and. and Really, when the world does something that, that they, they, they never have enough and they look for the cheapest and they, they try to abuse and they try to manipulate and they, they, they trample on the weak for their own personal gain. And, it, and it's ugly. And there's, there's no end to it ever. You see, you can't, you can't feed an addiction and make it full. It just doesn't happen. You can never, if you have a gambling addiction, you can never gamble enough to be satisfied. If you are addicted, if you're an alcoholic, you can never drink enough and be satisfied. If you're a shopaholic, you know, isn't the 21st century great? There's all, you know, you can be anything you want to be. You can be a shopaholic. You can never buy enough stuff. I I think I told you guys about this years ago. It just blew me away. Uh, a man had had uh, had died uh, in the church that I was attending, and and the family went in there and they cleared out everything that they wanted and everything, and then they told the church, "Hey, uh, you know, if you send some people to help clear out the rest of the stuff, if there's anything that you guys want, you know, you can you can take." And and you know, more just trying to help out a family who was grieving, uh, we, you know, we, we grabbed a whole bunch of people and we went with big trucks and everything to, to clear out the rest of the house. And what I saw, you know, changed me for the rest of my life, or really how I, how I look at these things. In his garage, he had boxes and boxes of, like, as-seen-on-TV type stuff. 
Like, and he would have multiple things of like the amazing Floby or whatever, and and it just in the box sealed, and and every peeler type thing known to man, and and you know ab you know things, and and gut begones, and and all this stuff. I mean, the guy was like eighty too. I mean, and it just it was, it was just, it just blew my mind how much consumption. Uh, happened, and this was after the family went in and took everything that they wanted. You know, and and it really changes your mind on materialism, especially when you uh, have the opportunity to, to, and I have on several occasions, to clean out homes of people who have have passed away, and you look at what what kind of they they spent their money on, and and how it didn't it didn't do anything. In fact, didn't even do anything for them. They just thoughtlessly purchased and 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 bought things. And the and it just you know with sexual addiction or shopping addiction or any type of these things, there's just never any satisfaction. In fact, it just continues to to build and grow until ultimately that addiction consumes you. So you have to say, well, if that if that's that path, if that's the way that that you go down, is there an alternative way? And and yeah, there is. You know, God talks about how we have to change rudimentarily how we think and how we do things, how we approach our money and our time and our efforts and and things like that. You know, people often ask me. You know, well, I'm in debt. You know, should you know should 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 I start giving um, to the church, or should I should I get out of debt first? And I always tell them, I think one of the first things you do need to do is start giving. And they go, well, well, I could put that money toward my debt. Yeah, you could, but you won't, because the problem is not usually, for most cases, an income problem. It's a heart problem. And as long as you keep on feeding yourself, that that problem is going to persist. And what needs to happen is a fundamental change in how we approach our resources. To realize, you know what? As soon as I start getting into line what God has, has called me to do to in my time and my money and, and, and all of resources, the sooner these things are going to fall into line. And I just uh, I wanted, and I, this may end up being a two-part like last time, just to let you know. So if there's an abrupt end, you'll know why. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, I was in this week just looking at this, and I just want to, there's so much richness in here, and, and, and I definitely, I, I don't think I could do it in 35 to 40 minutes, and I definitely couldn't do it in 12 minutes, but we'll, we'll see how far we get today, and we'll continue the conversation if we need to. In chapter 8, it says, now, and Paul, Paul's talking to the church in, in Corinth, and uh, just to give you some context on it, that they, 
in their enthusiasm, wanted to help out another church. And uh, he says this, Now I want to tell you, dear brothers and sisters, what God is in his kindness has done for the church in Macedonia, though they have been going through much trouble and hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gift for the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes. For their first action was to decide themselves or dedicate themselves to the Lord and to what us for whatever direction God might give them. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to complete your share in this ministry of giving. Since you have excelled in so many ways, you have given so much, you have so much faith such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm, and such love for us. Now I want you to excel also in the gracious giving, gracious ministry of giving. I'm not saying you must do it, even though the other churches are eager to do it. I like Paul giving a little jab there. This is one way to prove your love is real. And we spoke about that last week, about just the non-swimming fish. You can say you love something, you can say you're a fish, but if you don't swim, you're not a fish. You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he was very rich, yet for the sakes, for your sake, he became poor, so that his poverty could make you rich. I suggest that you finish what you started a year ago, for you were the first to propose the idea, and you were the first to begin doing something about it. Now you should carry this project through to completion just as enthusiastically as you began it. Give whatever you can according to what you have. If you are really eager to give, it isn't important how much you are able to give. God wants you to give what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean you should give so much that you suffer from having too little. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help them. Then at some other time, they can share with you when you need it. In this way, everyone's needs will be met. Do you remember what the scripture says about this? And I, I love this adage. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Basically what Paul is communicating here in his own, own special way is, look, we all have a, a part to play. That God has entrusted each and every one of us with resources. Some of that is monetary, some of those are monetary resources. Some of us have more time. Uh, some of us have abilities and talents. And in order for the church, the big C church, to operate in its fullest, that, that 
we need to excel in this, this gracious or ministry of giving. Giving of, of who we are to, to impact the world around us, to be the tangible hand of Christ. One illustration that, that Jesus used, took the opportunity in the temple in Mark chapter 12. It says, Jesus sat near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. You see, this, this idea of, of giving, giving out of our, our need, it it sets the stage for amazing things to happen. To, to not use our hands to only serve ourselves, but to look beyond who we are and to say, you know what, God has given me enough. And to be able to say, how can I be His conduit of love and grace? One thing that I love to tell people uh, who are just getting out of college and starting their career was a bit of advice uh, that I received when I became a follower of Christ. You see, this may be surprising to some of you, but I used to be a very driven, goal-oriented person. That uh, uh, and and I I constantly wanted to to do more. And, and, and get more, and all of these kind of things. And uh, my mentor uh, at the time, and very dear friend still, uh, very wealthy person who uh, gives a, a, lot, a lot away. And uh, he said, look, Mark, what you need to do to break this cycle of consumption and to break this, this, this kind of addiction is decide right now how much do you need? Like in your wildest dreams, you know, you know what, if, you could, if you could write your own paycheck, how much? What do you want to make a year? And he said, after you figure what that is, you figure that out, then that becomes... Your, your, your benchmark, and once you hit that, give, if you, once you surpass that, give everything else away. I mean, it's kind of a radical challenge, and I've had this conversation with so many different people. You know, what, what do you really need to live on? I mean, and I got to tell you, in the context that I was at that time, I came up with a figure that that quite honestly, I didn't think I would hit for a long time. So I'm, you know, it wasn't like this pious, you know, I was going to, you know, live in sackcloth and ashes and only eat, uh, you know, oatmeal for the rest of my life or, or, or something like that. You know, I said, you know what, I looked at it and I even made, you know, with one kid, I'd want this much money to live on with two kids. And I really thought it through and, and decided, okay, in this particular life stage, 
How much money do I really need to live on or really would want to and feel comfortable giving away the rest? So I came up with, with the number that, that, again, it wasn't, I look back on it, it's almost laughable, you know, how, how kind of where I, where I was, but that was where I was at that time. And in God, in his, in his humor, uh, as, as I went and, you know, ran a business and, and things like that, uh, this number that I thought I would never hit, uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, I landed a huge contract that I never thought I would get, and all of a sudden I found myself making way more money than that amount that I had established. And at that point, I had to make a decision. Am I going to honor God or am I going to fall back into that pattern of saying, I'm just going to consume, consume, and consume to serve my needs? And really, this is, a, this is an instrumental part in my story because it changed everything in my life. That we decided, you know what, we're going to honor that commitment and give the rest away. And it was really cool seeing what God was doing with those resources and those, those different ministries that we were supporting and, and things like that. But you know what really happened? Where I was a workaholic, working for, for my own comfort and my own pleasure before, that, that I started having a choice of saying, you know what, I can stay at the office and make a little bit more money or a lot more money, but basically, and this is just human nature, I'm just being open, really is that it, it's not going to benefit me anymore. So, what, so maybe I should go home and be with my family. Again, I'm not the, the holiest, spiritualist person that, that you've ever met. I'm just a real guy who, who, you know, a lot of times has a tendency to be selfish and be motivated by being selfish. And this was something in my life that God said, you know what, you make this commitment to me, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you on it. And you know what? It radically changed my life because instead of staying at the office, instead of making those extra calls to make a little bit more money, I would go home. And then I had extra time to start serving at the church that I was attending at that time. And as those ministries grew, eventually it called me, God called me out of the marketplace to where I am today. You see, Giving, you would think, and I, I thought, has everything to do with funding the thing that you're giving to. But God uses it completely differently. You see, God doesn't need your money. You could, you could clamp down on your time and on your money and your talents on whatever. You could... You could Say, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this for the rest of my life. And in the scheme of the universe, it's not going to change God's plan. You see, God looks for reservoirs. He looks for conduits of his love and his grace and his mercy. And he doesn't look for dams. 
And it, it, and this little just tagline at the end of 2 Corinthians where he says, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. That's not just a little throwaway thing. It says everything about the human nature, about the human condition, that hoarders and people who are selfish never have enough. But those who are generous experience a completely different paradigm. And that's why I just push on this idea that if, if you do not believe that E3 is the place where you're going to have the highest impact for the kingdom, if this is not the place where it's going to inspire you to, to get out of the seats and to, to love others, to be an ambassador of Christ through your time and your money and your talents and all that stuff, please, you've got to find that place. Life is too short. God has entrusted you with too much that your part to play in the kingdom is too great to squander it. In order to have a revolution, it takes an intentional decision to say you know what this is the path that I have been on but this is the path that I need to be on and I wholeheartedly believe in the core of my soul that if somehow we as a local church can change this paradigm that we will be able to fulfill the vision that God has called us to do. But it's going to require a different type of worldview. It's going to take a different attitude it's going to take an attitude of, you know what, why not me? Take an attitude of understanding that you are the answer to someone's prayers. I have an active imagination and, and many times when, when I... I, I am quiet and in my prayer time, I, 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 I think in images. And oftentimes I have an image of, of a child in, in slavery who somehow knows that there's a God who loves him and just praying for God to rescue him in his circumstance. And then understand Standing the weight of, oh my gosh, maybe God has called me to be the answer to that child's prayer. 
Maybe there is a single mother in, in Guatemala who's being abused or doesn't know how she's going to feed her children or educate her children. And she falls to her knees and she prays, God, help me. And then in the image of our minds, we realize, oh my gosh, I'm the answer to that woman's prayer. I think about the, the shut-ins in Frenchtown that we, we, we bring groceries to. The understanding that they may have nothing to eat. And they pray to God, God, is it possible that, that I can eat tomorrow? Is there any way? And they pray to God and God puts it on us to be the answer to her prayer. You see, the reality is that us sitting here and then leaving and going about our normal business does not fit free children in Benin from slavery. It does not protect women and children in Guatemala, and it does not feed people in Frenchtown. Action does. And there is a clear path of how to get involved in any one of those three things. To be the tangible hand of Christ. You don't even have to go that far as well, that we have children here who need guidance and Bible teaching to not be raised up to be pew sitters, but to be agents, to be revolutionaries for the cause of Christ. To serve in cleaning and, and, and to just doing the, the normal things it takes to keep an organization going. They all have value in the eternal scheme of things. They all are essential for the cause of Christ. Do we intentionally participate or by our inaction allow another day for the bride of Christ to exist for itself? That's the question. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I wholeheartedly believe the time for a revolution is now. That the individuals that are represented here are indeed the answer to someone's prayer. God, let us not shirk off that responsibility. Let us, each one of us, through our gifting, the gifting that you've entrusted us with, 
participate, be an active participant in loving a lost and hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.